you are now about to experience the Revive Effect. My name is Matt Celestio, entrepreneur and holistic health specialist. And if you're ready to start your health journey but don't know where to begin, you are in the right place. At Revive, we create better ways of living for our generation by changing the conversation around health. And each episode shows you exactly how to build health into your life. You'll unlock tactics to improve your sleep, nutrition, anxiety, self-talk, and mind. Break free from quick fix culture because it's time you learn to love your body and start to feel like the real you again. Welcome to The Revive Effect. What if I told you there was a pill that could prevent 95% of cancers, prevents nearly all heart attacks and strokes, reverses even severe heart disease, improves digestion, prevents and even reverses type 2 diabetes so quickly that after just three days on the drug, it's dangerous for the person to continue with their diabetes medication. And on top of all this, as that beautiful cherry on top, this pill helps you sustainably lose weight and step into your ideal body. The problem is that the industry and big pharma, it won't pick this pill up because it's not very marketable. It's not very sexy to advertise. There isn't tons of money to be made from this pill. Now, this pill I'm talking about is what we folks call a whole foods plant-based diet. The enormity of research showing the life-changing benefits of eating more plant foods and reducing your animal foods consumption, they are getting increasingly harder to ignore. But based on the tons of marketing and brainwashing done by the animal agriculture industry, the majority of us can't even comprehend a lifestyle without our chicken, fish, or pork chops. Plant-based eating is so much more than just cutting out meat and dairy that you need to eat a wide, diverse range of healthy foods to get the full effect. People tell me they went vegan all the time and, you know, they said, I got so tired, got sick, it's just not for them. Well, yeah, because all you ate was pasta and iceberg lettuce salad. No kidding. But without getting that diverse range of high-quality carbs, antioxidants, fiber, vitamins, plant proteins, eating pasta and salad every day is going to be so boring and lacks all the essential nutrients you need to keep thriving. And when people, this is one thing that I kind of really get upset about, is when they say, yeah, the plant-based diet is just so boring, it doesn't taste good. I've seen weight loss diets that have animal foods in them, and there's no way that somebody can reasonably tell me that it is much better than a nice power bowl made with some tofu, and a mame, it's got that quinoa, a nice little vinaigrette, lots of vegetables. Meanwhile, when I look at some weight loss, weight loss, what do you call it, meal plans, they say things like, yeah, for dinner, we're going to have meatballs and uh, zucchini noodles. I, oh my God, are you kidding me? That sounds like so boring. That sounds actually depressing. And not only that, sometimes they'll throw a snack in there. Yeah, you can have some cottage cheese and pineapple. Mmm, so good. That's not good. When you're having plant foods, there's so many different flavors, so many different colors that bring just vibrancy and flavor to the dish all the spices. Plant-based eating is actually more exciting than eating regular animal foods every day, low-carb, high-protein. Again, that's a topic for another day. But when we usually talk about plant-based diets, we're having that wrong conversation. Rather than talking about the positive health effects, disease-reducing, longevity-promoting effects, the narrative is always around, where do you get your protein? You're going to shrivel up and disappear with no muscle. We've been brainwashed into worshipping protein, as if it's the key to everlasting youth and lifelong health. But when we do this, the problem with this tunnel vision view we have is that we neglect the fact that we eat food, not just protein. When we eat chicken, we don't just eat protein. We eat 
protein plus saturated fat, cholesterol, sodium, and any other environmental toxins that have ended up in that animal's flesh. When we eat lentils, that's a plant that's high in protein, we don't just eat protein. We eat protein plus fiber, complex carbohydrates, polyphenols, potassium, iron, and a range of other nutrients. Now, do you see what I'm getting at here? Rather than looking at food for its individual nutrients, we need to look at food in the same way that we eat it, whole. We eat whole foods, therefore, we need to have a conversation around how the whole foods you're eating and the whole lifestyle that you're having in the kitchen as a whole is affecting your life. So my response to people who ask me time and time again, where do you get your protein? I would ask them, where do you get your fiber? Where do you get your antioxidants? Where do you get your polyphenols that have antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties that could have preventative and therapeutic effects for cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerative disorders, cancer, and obesity? FYI, if you're wondering what the heck polyphenols are, these are naturally occurring compounds in plants, aka fruits and veggies, and they're very beneficial for your health. So rather than keeping the conversation and the spotlight on protein, we're now going to shift to the conversation of food choices as a whole, without the dangers of focusing on just protein and neglecting the other essential health-promoting components of food that we need. Now, a big danger of too much protein, especially animal protein, is that it makes your body very acidic. Now, here's the thing. Your body doesn't like too much acidity within it. Much like drinking a glass of straight lemon juice is way too sour and it stings too much going down, too much animal protein does the same thing to your body. So exactly how we water down that lemon juice with some light ice, a little bit of sugar, a dash of water, we make lemonade with it. It's much more drinkable. Your body lowers its acidity level by using calcium to help balance it out. Exactly, It's like your body making lemonade internally. So it uses that calcium to balance it out, like we said. And guess where you have a big source of calcium in your body that your body can pull from at any moment? That's right, your body extracts calcium from your bones to make your body less acidic and more balanced. And this explains why Americans who consume more cow's milk per person than any population in the world, they have women over 50 showing one of the highest rates of hip fractures in the world. Their bodies are too acidic. Consuming more animal protein puts you at a greater risk for osteoporosis, which is a bone disease that develops when the bone mineral density and bone mass decreases, or when the structure of the strength of bones changes. Now, isn't it pretty weird though, we're told to drink milk for strong bones because it's high in calcium, but milk as a whole food is also high in animal protein, which makes your body too acidic. And this is an amazing example of how not looking at food as a whole, in this case milk, rather than looking at it for its individual nutrients because it's got a lot of calcium. So now we know that our food choices and our overall daily diet as a whole can affect us, let's look at how these choices affect cancer, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease. Now I picked these diseases because they're currently affecting 1 in 5 Canadian adults based on information from the Canadian government. Now research shows that only 2 to 3%, there is a 2 to 3% link between family history and cancer rates right? What about that other 97%? Isn't cancer all in the genes? Now, that's exactly what I thought before I discovered what epigenetics were. Epigenetics is this field of study that looks at how your genes actually modify and change their expression, different than your initial genetic code based on environmental factors in your life. 
So to explain that to you in English, just like you're in a video game, if you were to press A on the button to go left, or if you were to press B on the button to go right, you can do the exact same with your genetics. External factors like your environment, habits, and most importantly, food can press the buttons in your body, turning genes on or off. But what foods specifically damage your health, your healthy cells, DNA, and turn on cancer growth? Good question. A study done by T. Colin Campbell took mice and gave them a dosage of a carcinogen, which is a cancer-promoting substance from our environment. He then fed mice a mix of high-protein diet and low-animal protein diet for 12 weeks. Now, here's the cool part of the study. The mice would switch back and forth between the high-protein and low-protein diet for weeks at a time to see if cancer growth would be affected. The results? Oh, cancer growth strongly increased when the mice were eating a high animal protein diet. It then strongly decreased when eating a low animal protein diet and then strongly increased again when they switched back to the high protein diet. They were turning on and off cancer growth based on how much protein somebody or a mouse was eating. Now, Colin Campbell ran the study again, this time using plant protein, not animal protein as it was in the first study. He found no link between the amount of plant protein eaten and cancer growth. Now, other studies referencing Colin Campbell's work, it showed how colorectal cancer was correlated with high consumption of animal foods and low fiber intake. Now, what's fiber? Fiber is that type of carb that feeds the good bacteria in your gut. And there was also a study showing an inverse relationship between fiber intake and rates of colorectal cancer, which means in plain English, the less fiber people ate, the higher rates of cancer. The more fiber people ate, the less rates of cancer. This last study alone about fiber points us in the direction of what humans should be eating, on a daily basis at least. Fiber is only found in plant foods. Animal foods contain no fiber. And time and time again, research turns up showing consistent dietary predictors for cancer growth as frequent meat and dairy consumption. Not to mention the powerful effect that food has on cancer development will also threaten the almighty research and profits the pharmaceutical industry that raked in $26 billion in Canada in 2021 thanks to chemo, radiation, surgical, and other cancer-related treatments. This is another reason Big Pharma would want to keep the validity and protective evidence of plant-based diets in the dark and discredit any science that shows animal food consumption is contributing to skyrocketing cancer rates and how the solution lies within it. Again, the systems we live under take advice and that we take advice from, they're corrupt. Now, we just spoke about ensuring we're looking at food choices as a whole, not just protein and fiber, which is why I want to point this out to show how lifestyle factors, especially food choices, can trump genes. There was this really cool study out of the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition when they measured the diets and rates of diabetes in Japanese men who immigrated to America. Okay, They came from Japan and moved to America. Originally from Japan. Keep this in mind. They found that the Japanese immigrant men had more than four times the prevalence of diabetes compared to the similar aged Japanese men who stayed in Japan. Same gender, same age, same genetics. What is going on here? What is going on? Remember, we spoke about how just like in a video game, pressing A on the button to go left or pressing B on the button to go right, you can do the exact same thing with your genetics. The Japanese men, when they had moved to America and developed diabetes, they adopted that typical American diet. High in animal foods, 
which meant their bodies were now dealing with more animal protein, more saturated animal fat, and cholesterol, changing their likelihood of diabetes. Now listen, I know we're always talking about stuff in the lab, we're always talking about stuff in the literature, but I want to make it a little personal right now, okay? Three out of four of my grandparents have been diagnosed with cancer as early as their 70s. When they speak to their brothers and sisters who have stayed back home in Italy, they say they're in their 90s now, but their only problem is that they're just old. Like the Japanese men in this study, my grandparents share the exact same DNA and blood as their brothers and sisters living in different parts of the world, and they are dealing with drastically different diseases that aren't even a problem back home. Okay, This is affecting not only the stats, it's affecting people in our homes. Your family, my family. This is why this topic is so important and it holds dear to me. It holds true to me. So we've talked about cancer. Let's move the conversation to diabetes. So to understand how you develop diabetes, it starts with understanding how your body stores fat and uses energy from the food you eat. When you eat food, your body stores it as glycogen in your muscles, and then it then breaks it down into glucose to be stored or to be used as energy. Think about it like that 2 p.m. slump you get at work. You get that midday muffin. You get that second burst of energy. That's because your body just got a fresh supply of carbs to convert it into glucose to give you energy. It's very simple stuff. Now, when you eat foods, you raise your blood sugar. Your body really can't handle that high blood sugar. So what it does is it secretes your hormone insulin to go gather up all that blood sugar and shuttle it right into your muscles. Much like an usher at a theater tells people where their seats are, okay? Exact same thing. But over time, insulin stops doing its job properly. It's trying to put the blood sugar into your muscles, but your muscle cells are tuned out. They're not listening. So that means your blood sugar is now staying elevated. And when this happens, this is when we become into a state of insulin resistance because insulin is not working. Now, your blood sugar friends, they're not able to get to their seats in the theater. Now, the blood becomes overcrowded with blood sugar because no one can get to their seats. And essentially, this is what type 2 diabetes is. The economic cost of the diabetes in the U.S. alone in 2000 was $130 billion. Take it a decade later, it skyrockets to $245 billion in 2013. And now, at this present day, it's at $327 billion. It is continuing to grow and grow fast. If you were to rank the economic cost of the diabetes in the USA alone on the country on every country's GDP, if you were to take a massive list of 195 countries and see how much money every country made, USA, in terms of their spend on diabetes, would be number 36 based on that data. Now, funny enough, US is also at the top of other countries in terms of how much meat they eat. Here in Canada, we're not off scot-free. We're very close to them in terms of how much we eat. Wait, but Matt, I thought sugar and carbs cause diabetes, not meat. This is another big misconception. Reverence in the China study, a great, great landmark study. They had an analysis that looked at different populations and their rates of diabetes. They took it global. They took it around the world, okay? It turned out the countries who ate the most carbs had the lowest rates of diabetes, and the countries that ate the most fat had the highest rates of diabetes. In other words, the more fat a population ate, more diabetes they had. The more carbs a country ate, and the lower the fat intake, the less diabetes they had. So as a side note, I just want to chime in. The country with the lowest rate of diabetes, they consumed 
a diet primarily of carbs with almost 90% of their daily food intake coming from carbs. Now to quote one of my favorite health documentaries, What the Health, this is coming right out of the movie or the documentary, the cause of diabetes is a diet that builds up the amount of fat in the blood, a typical meat-based, animal-based diet. If you look at the muscle cells within the human body, and what you find is that they're building up tiny particles of fat, and that's what's causing that insulin resistance. This means that the sugar that is naturally found in the foods you're eating can't get into the cells where they belong. Then the sugar builds up in the blood, have high blood sugar, and that's diabetes. And time and time again, research shows the same thing. A large study in America followed 122,000 nurses from 1976, and another one from 1989, they followed 116,000 women. They concluded that there was a significant association between meat, processed meat, and the development of type 2 diabetes. And it's known that shifting to a plant-based diet is so dangerous for people with diabetes to continue taking their meds because they improve in a matter of days and they don't need their insulin medication anymore. Even if you're not overweight, I want you to pay attention to the next thing I'm about to say. Meat consumption is still correlated with diabetes, even with those who don't gain weight from it. Shifting to a whole foods plant-based diet has been shown to minimize your likelihood to get type 2 diabetes and even reverse full-blown type 2 diabetes. So now we've talked about cancer, we've talked about diabetes, all related to animal foods and how plant-based diets can really hold the key to that health and fixing that problem. Right now, I want to look at the world's number one global killer right now, heart disease. Heart disease is best defined as greasy layers of protein and fat that accumulate in your arteries. We call this plaque. Much like not brushing your teeth for a week and plaque starts accumulating in your gums and between your teeth, the same thing can happen in your arteries. Now, plaque, plaque is something you don't want in your arteries because your arteries are the main highways in your body that transport blood all over especially to and from one very important area, your heart. Have you ever been stuck on the highway when they've closed down one lane? You've experienced bumper-to-bumper traffic. It's almost impossible to drive through, and the roads are so overcrowded. This is what heart disease looks like inside your arteries that are filled with plaque. There's decreased blood flow and all over the body and to the heart. Chest pain, angina, or full-blown heart attacks can occur because of this very problem. In the first year of the pandemic, we were all familiar with this pandemic. We loved it. It was so great, wasn't it? In the first year alone, it took 2 million lives. The government took action immediately. Lockdowns, restrictions, mandatory vaccines. So let me ask you this. Heart disease has been the number one killer for almost 100 years, and it continues to grow year after year. Why hasn't the government been focused on that? Seems like there's a little bit of misalignment here. Here's the answer. There's no money in healthy people. The link between animal food consumption and heart disease is very strong. Time and time again, research shows populations eating more animal foods suffer higher rates of heart disease. Meanwhile, people like Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Ornish, they have repeatedly shown that they can reverse heart disease through eating a whole foods plant-based diet. We don't bat an eye when someone is told they have to take cholesterol-lowering pills for the rest of their lifetime to minimize their heart disease. Yet, saying you're going to cut down on your animal foods, it causes people to freak out. Whoa, 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 okay, let's not get too drastic here. But the total cost for treating heart disease is projected to rise to $818 billion by 2030. That's a lot of money. 
Why would Big Pharma tell you to eat more broccoli when they could sell you a lifetime of pills to fund them and make them richer all at the expense of your health? A study out of the Journal of Chronic Diseases showed that cultures that have the lower rates of heart disease eat less saturated fat and animal protein while consuming more whole grains, fruits, and vegetables, aka a plant-based diet. Meanwhile, the opposite is shown when you look at populations that have more animal protein. When they eat more animal protein, the more heart disease their people have. Plant foods have shown to have protective, even reversible effects of cancer, diabetes, cholesterol concerns, and heart disease, even obesity, as everything we've talked about today. 